The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Authentic Living Show. How do you know truth? Well, my mother used to have a saying. Yeah, my mother had a lot of those sayings. But one she used to say a lot was, she or he wouldn't know truth if it flew up and hit her or him in the face. And you know, sometimes she was right. Some people say that truth is relative. Others say it's absolute. And still others say we have just enough light to see the truth that is relative to the moment. And we should be ready ever to let that go for a higher truth in another moment. Well, if there is an absolute truth, I would say first that it runs deeper and goes further than any one religion or tradition can encapsulate. And if that's true, then how do we know when we've run into or been hit in the face by truth? Well, today we're going to delve into this muddy issue and give it some clarity. Not only that, for is also we're going to also illustrate some ways that we can know when we've been hit by truth. And along that way, we'll also discover something about the mystery of knowledge itself. So, hitting us in the face, why is it that we very often don't really wake up to a truth until we get hit in the face by a truth, or as some would say, by a two-by-four? Two um, denial is, a, is, a, is one of our most powerful objectives in life. Um, we tend to live into what seems to work rather than what is true. Naivete is a part of that. So let's talk about naivete and let's talk about denial first, okay? Naivete is that state of mind that we, some of us would call innocence, where we, we don't really know much about life. We don't really know much about what we can expect from other people or life circumstances or how to manage money, for example, how to get along. We might know how to get along, but we don't really know how to see into other people and what they might be about. Uh, we don't really uh, pay much attention to the signals that are there in front of us. We uh, don't notice uh, things that might uh, upset us because they might upset us and we don't want to be upset. Naivete says, life is good, I'm innocent, other people are basically good and all you have to do is be nice and kind and everything will be all right. That's naivete. Um, some people call that uh, uh, Pollyanna thinking, but I would say it's more like naivete because Pollyanna thinking is more of a state of denial, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, we all are, to one degree or another, a little bit naive as we grow into this world, um, and more so if we've 
come from a family where we've been overprotected or protected to the degree that we don't know what really goes on in the world. One of the advantages that I think young people have today is their exposure to much more information than I had, say, as a child. And I'm not saying my childhood was all glory and light either. I am saying, however, that that um, when when you grow up believing that life should be good and that people are basically good and that you should just be able to trust people because they say they're trustworthy, then we, we're missing out on a primary uh, part of living, a primary truth of life, which is there's all kinds of people out there and they have all kinds of agendas. And their agendas aren't necessarily uh, coming from soul energy, although everything ultimately comes from soul energy. They are coming from a dual, dualistic place in which they believe that they're separate from the divine and operate accordingly. So if I believe that I'm separate from the divine, then I've got to have a strategy for survival. And my strategy for survival might include lying, cheating, stealing, killing, all manner of other manipulative and uh, violent objectives. So in order for me to be okay, I have to do whatever it is that I do that makes me feel at least that I'm okay. Whether I really am okay or not is up for grabs, but I feel I'm okay. And that's one of the things that keeps us from truth more than anything else is this idea that if I feel okay, I must be okay. This idea that, um, you know, if, if I, if I feel that, um, everything's going to be all right, then everything's going to be all right. I don't have to think any further. And I can get myself into that state of feeling like everything's going to be all right in lots of ways. I can drink myself into it. I can drug myself into it. I can sex myself into it. I can lie myself into it. I can uh, um, distort myself into it. I can take a tiny little box and fit my large body into that tiny little box because I want to. And I think I can. And okay, it'll be all right. I'll just get keep squeezing myself down and become smaller and smaller and smaller so that I can stay here in this place where I feel safe. So feelings can be uh, part of our major illusions. I say, and, and, and the most extreme example of that is drug addiction. I say that people who are addicted to substances, drugs in particular, alcohol or drugs, alcohol is a drug, so we're going to put them all in one category, um, are people who want to fly. They don't want to live here on planet Earth. They want to be out there where feelings are okay. So if anything that is uncomfortable comes up, they begin to say, oh, it's time for me to take flight again. I don't need to be down here on planet Earth where things are uncomfortable. So let me go shoot up, snort up, you know, smoke up, whatever it is that I need to do to get myself off the plane where things are uncomfortable. And we can do that in all manner of ways. And that is one of the reasons why truth has to hit us in the head like a two-by-four instead of us becoming slowly awakened to it over time in a gentle, more um, open fashion. Um, so why why do we have to go to the school of hard knocks? Because we're naive. Because we don't 
see what's really going on. And why do we, why are we naive? Because we don't want to see what's going on. And that makes naivete a kind of denial. Although it isn't the kind of denial that one could say one is even unconsciously, uh, deciding to deny something. It's a kind of denial that says, um, I haven't really had experience. I haven't really allowed experience to become my teacher. I, I, I may have sort of walked beside horror, but I've never really experienced horror. So therefore, I don't have the wisdom that comes behind horror. So, so, in what, this is something I'm going to say several times today. Truth is wisdom and wisdom is truth. And so those terms are going to be used interchangeably. When we go through an experience, whatever, whatever experience that is, whether it's a happy experience where we've achieved or attained something we really wanted, or if we go through an experience where we are being seemingly deprived of something we really want, or frightened about something we really want, or um, abused, or neglected, or in some form violated. Whatever that experience is, it has something to teach us. And if if I am a naive person, I am not learning from those experiences. I am I am staying I'm staying sort of south of the experience. I'm not really participating in the experience because if I was, my emotions would be involved and my mind would be involved and my body would be involved and I would grow as a result of that. Now, is it possible for people to have experiences, not be naive and still not grow? Absolutely. Yes. Um, it, it, we, we grow according to our willingness to grow, period, end of subject. If I am, if I go into an experience and say, okay, um, I just want to spend my time with my heels in the dirt, kind of pushing away from this experience the entire time I'm having the experience, then it has, then I'm, I'm going to be feeling that pushing away only, you know. And I can still learn something from that because even though I push away, I still may have to go through the experience. Like, for example, if I have to uh, experience the death of a spouse. Let's just use that for an example. I don't want to experience the death of a spouse, but he or she has cancer and uh, has been told that this is terminal. And while I may have, uh, we have, may have put in all kinds of prayers and all manner of um Allopathic as well as uh, natural healing, chakra healings, vibrational healings, Reiki healings, all kinds of other healings have been attempted. My spouse is still dying. And I'm in there with my heels grinding in the dirt going, no, 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 I can't lose my spouse. Uh, and what what's happening there is I'm not looking at the potentiality of this experience i'm not looking at what can come from this experience nonetheless my husband my wife is going to die and when they do then i will have to go through that experience now i can elongate that experience and i can tell myself that i will find other things to keep me from really grieving I can drink, I can drug, I can sex, I can, I can, um, spend money, I can do all kinds of things, gamble, I can avoid by trying to go out and find some other chaos in my life that I can pay attention to instead of having to deal with the, this grief. I can do all kinds of things to avoid that grief. And that avoidance is my denial of the gift 
that I can receive from my grief. You see, if we are really one with the divine, everything that happens in our lives is a gift. Everything that happens in our lives is a gift. Not some things, not just the things we want. Everything in our lives is a gift. But if I, but if I say to myself, I shouldn't have to have this happen to me, then what I'm saying is, I am not really a part of the human race. I should transcend planet Earth and be allowed to experience only what I call good stuff, and therefore, I'm not going to get the gift. I'm turning down the gift. I'm saying, no thank you, I don't want that gift right now. And therefore, I'm not getting the truth. I'm not growing into wisdom. I'm not growing into truth. Truth and wisdom are, are synonymous terms. So, um, so in that process of refusing to get it, I may still get it because I, it, it, it be, might become so mo- overwhelming that I'm just not able to refuse it any longer. And when that washes in over me, I may become slowly over time more and more willing to receive the fact that my spouse has died. And I may over time, it may take several years even, uh, because I've postponed it, because I'm going into it with my heels digging in the sand going, no, this will not happen to me. And why would God make this happen to me? Um, when I, when I, if I'm doing that, then, um, I, it may take a lot longer for me to finally get to the place what I would call acceptance and I would also call truth and wisdom. Because when we finally go, okay, my spouse is gone and I'm gonna, I'm gonna live here on planet Earth without physical contact with my spouse. Perhaps I can have mental, emotional, and spiritual contact, but, I will not have physical contact with my spouse because my spouse has transitioned into a non-corporeal existence. And and therefore, I'm going to have to live with that. So now what can I do to make my life meaningful even though my spouse is no longer in my life? That's when we've reached to some level of acceptance. And that is the level where wisdom allows... it. We allow some room for wisdom to come into our lives because now... Because we've had this experience of the loss of a spouse, we now know what it's like to either walk through or go with heels digging through a grief experience. We know something about that. Why, how do we know it? We know it because we've experienced it. So, so that, that, you know, even though we are in denial, we may still experience enough of the reality, it may take longer, but we may still experience enough of the, the wisdom that's coming in from that event to, to begin to um, gain the wisdom, understand the truth behind the event. Uh, and, and in so doing, what do we give? What do we get? Well, a lot of times we say, well, I only go through bad stuff, quote unquote, so that I can give something compassionate and good to other people. Well, that's not why you go through bad stuff. I mean, it's not just for other people. It's also for you. We, we, we tend to think in those terms, if it's going to be really noble, it has to be get something I give to other people. Well, you're a people too. And you, you can have the gift too. So why should they get it all and not you have any? What, what is that all about? That's the idea uh, that we have in our heads that we're dualistic people. We're separate from the divine and we must earn our right to be coupled again with the divine in some kind of union. And we don't have to earn the right because we're already one with the divine and it is 
it is our wisdom that knows that. We, we come to that slowly over time, um, through many, for, through multitudes of experiences. Some of them quote unquote negative and others much more positive. For example, through meditation. If we, if we learn to sit, and I don't mean literally sit, you can lay, you can put your body in whatever position you need to, but to sit with uh, the deepest essence of who we are, then what begins to happen is that we information from that deepest essence becomes a part of us. It's sort of downloaded into us as we just sit with it. And we get wisdom just by sitting with it. Just by, it's like, you know, we move that much closer to who we actually are as divine beings. And because we've, we've been in that presence, we now know stuff we just didn't know before. And that knowledge is wisdom. That knowledge is truth. So, um, when we, when we're, when we're looking, seeking after truth, very often what we do is miss it because we're looking so hard for it that we, we can't see it. And, and we're going to talk about that after the break, but I want to just mention it at this point because, um, so, so many people that I know of are seeking enlightenment, um, seeking, uh, wisdom, seeking after, um, uh, some kind of state of being where all truth is known, where all, things are always peaceful, things are always blissful. I always know what to do. I'm totally connected to, to my own higher truth. I don't ever experience anything that's quote-unquote negative. I never have a negative thought. I never have a negative emotion. That will be when I'm enlightened and I have moved out of this um, state in which the rest of the world lives in duality. Well, I, I do know many people who have sought that. I know very few who have found it. Um, and the reason is because we are here on this planet of duality to experience duality. That is part of what we're doing here. And many of us will say, well, no, 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 I'm supposed to be experiencing only oneness. Well, whether you experience it or not, you are one. And part of the experience of planet Earth is experiencing duality. Why? Well, this is my take on it. You can decide whether or not you agree with that. But I believe that in order for us to to fully resolve the issue of can form be formless at the same time that it's form, we have to... Learn everything there is to know about duality, where form is simply form and not necessarily connected to formlessness. That is part of our grand experience here on this planet and it's part of our creative endeavor with the divine to change the universe into a universe in which form and formlessness are experienced as one and the same thing. So we have it divided now between uh, formlessness is divine and form is body and body is bad. And we all know that it's just bad and evil and sinful and so we're stuck with it. And we want to get out of that. And so that's why so many of us are trying to have out-of-body experiences so that we can get out of the body and into formlessness. But that's just as dual as is form. Formlessness is just as dual as form. We need to be in form, in both at the same time. And that's where we're headed. But in order to do that, we've got to experience duality. Once upon a time, we were all formless. Then we became form. Now we have to spe- feel what it's like to be form. 
without without acknowledging the, necessarily the formlessness. And many, many of us are beginning to realize that both through quantum physics and through our own um, experiences with life and meditation and, and sitting with the divine. So, okay, what we've discovered so far is that truth is po- is possible to get to, but we have to be willing to get to it. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We're going to, we're going to learn about where we can find truth and what is knowledge really after all. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back right after this. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porosik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We are in the midst of a time of vast opportunity on our planet right now. If we can master ourselves to have our minds be our allies, we can then lead the authentic lives we desire. But to get beyond the everyday mundane life chosen for us by our minds, we need tools. Sometimes we're not aware of the subconscious thoughts, beliefs, and conclusions our minds have made, and this is where we need the help. Tune in to Create Your Best Life Ever with your host, Allison J.K., and receive those tools for clearing and healing and feel what else is possible. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine. And holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. 
The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internships, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. pair program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology offering as terminal degrees, as we said, both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions in which students study in-depth the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. This is not just another spiritual diploma mill. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. Are you willing to invest a $250 down payment and then pay only $150 a month toward manifesting your dreams? Your dream is AIHT's mission. You want to know more? Go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Pick up the phone right now and call 800-650-4325 to learn how you can make your dreams for a degree that will make your career dreams come true. So we're talking today about how we can know truth. What is truth? Is it relative? Is it absolute? Can we ever attain it? Do we only get a little piece of it, only to let go of it later? William James said that. He said that we should always be ready to uh, dismiss the truth we learned yesterday. Well, first we got to understand what the difference is between naivete and denial and truth-telling. And what we said in the first segment was we defined naivete and we defined a little bit about denial. What makes us go into denial more than anything else is fear. Fear that uh, we will see. Fear that we will see something we really don't want to have to see or deal with. So we very often meet someone who who uh, charms us and wines us and dines us and takes us out to dinner. And it could be a, a thought, an idea, a real person. It can be inside of us or outside of us. This, this uh, uh, figure who will seduce us into something that's not really true. Um, but they whine us and they dine us and they tell us all these great things are going to happen and we get obsessed with that and we go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is it. This is finally what I've always dreamed of. And then something comes along that makes us go, wait a minute, wait just a minute. Something's really wrong here. But we just decide that, no, I don't really want to look at that. So let me just stay in this happy little world of illusion where everything is really wonderful. But wait a minute, there's something really wrong here. No, 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 I don't want to know about that. But wait a minute, it's happening again. That something that's really wrong is getting bigger. No, 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 I don't want to see that. I don't want to deal with that. And so... We wait and wait and wait and wait and wait until that something that was wrong all along gets so big that it hits us in the face like a two-by-four. And then we finally go, oh, well, there's this truth. And if we're honest, we have to admit to ourselves, we knew that truth all along. We always knew it. We just chose not to pay attention. And that is why we don't know truth. 
Like I said, truth and wisdom are synonymous terms, and knowledge and truth and wisdom are also synonymous terms. And here what I, here's what I mean by knowledge. There's a term that's used in the, in the uh, uh, Talmud and as well as the uh, New Testament in the Christian Bible, um, but mostly in the Talmud. And it's a word that's it's called yada. Yada. It means to experience, to process through experience, to be taught by experience, to learn by experience. Um, it does not, it's, and it is the word for knowledge that is very often used, and it is the word, same word used for knowledge in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We've always thought of that tree as a very bad tree, and the snake who lived in it is a very bad snake who tricked us into um, living down here on planet Earth in in sin, what we call sin. Um, we could spend a whole um, hour talking about that very tree, and we have. There's a program early on in the in the four almost five years that I've been doing this show called Duality. If you want to know more about that, I would say go back and listen to that show. And I will have other shows on it as well. But um, So I'm not going to go into a lot of depth about that right now. But what I do want to say is that tree of knowledge of good and evil is what we're doing down here on planet Earth. It is the tree of knowledge of duality. We are here to process through, to experience duality. Because in order for us to get to the other side of what it's like to be either formless or form, we have to experience form as separate from the of separate from formlessness in the same way that for many 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 eons before form was ever created we experienced formlessness without form so now we have to spend eons experiencing form without formlessness in order to really come to the final understanding that form and formlessness are always have been and always will be one and the same thing. And it, so we're here to experience duality. And so when we say to ourselves, I should live in a rarefied world of total bliss at all times, and I should never have to suffer, because suffering is evidence that I have not enough of the Buddha nature, or not enough of the Christ nature, or not enough of the divine self, or not enough of whatever it is that I'm supposed to have to Convince me that I don't really have to live down here on this ugly planet where suffering occurs. And so, we, we go around trying to make ourselves see things. I used to attend a, 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 a meeting once or twice a week that, where people talked about how we need to see God in everyone. And absolutely, I believe that God is everyone, not just in everyone, but is everyone. We are God and God is us. We don't know it and that's our only issue. But but when we try, when we put um, effort into trying to see God in everyone, what we very often do is not see the duality in everyone. So I could tell myself, so I, so I meet somebody who appears to be Mr. or Miss Wright, right? I could tell myself, well, I see the God in them. They have a beautiful soul, and they are uh, uh, the essence of the divine, just like I am, just like we all are. And so when they lie to me, I tell myself, well, you know, they're really divine beings. They just don't know it, and, and they, they um, 
are have missed out on that boat and I can overlook that because I see them as God. And so then they do something that's maybe verbally or somewhat neglectful or abusive of me. And I say, but I really see the divine in them. Or they become very silent around an issue that I know something's going on, but they've become very silent about it. And I, my intuition is telling me something's really wrong, but they're not talking to me about it. And yet, I'm supposed to see the God in them, so I, that's what I'm going to do. So what I'm doing is I'm going into denial based on a, a, a spiritual principle that we're supposed to see God in everyone. So you can see how our spiritual principles can can uh, get us into trying to think a certain way. Uh, one of the things about the Tao that Lao Tzu, who is, is considered to be the founder of Taoism, um, talks about is the natural self. The natural self. He uses that terminology a lot in his writings. And, and basically what he's saying is the divine self this is Andrea's interpretation, but the divine self is the natural self. And if we relax, it will begin to initiate its own endeavors. I've talked a lot about that in several of the shows, that that uh, one of the things that Jesus, that master teacher, who is uh, who's such so, so much a part of the Christian faith, um, one of the things that he said was, I, I can initiate nothing of my own. I can do nothing of my own initiative. That's the way he said it. And and what he was really saying there is something else inside of me is initiating. And what he referred to as the father, the Greek word is pater, which means pro- progenitor, originer, originator. Um, it's mother and father, not just father. It is the source. It is the beginning, the originator, the source. So his source for everything he did was the divine. And that's what he knew that we don't always know. But knowing this experience that actually is a process, not a fact. You know, we, t- we tend to think in the Western world about knowledge as fact. Well, I know that uh, the wind is blowing because I can feel it. I know that this desk is here is because I can knock on it and it will, it, it, it is real. It's there. It's physical. Um, I know that um, the wall is purple because I'm looking at it and it's purple. I, I can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. I can empirically know. That makes it a fact and it is therefore irreducible and undeniable. It's a fact. Well, I don't know about facts. If I knock on this desk, what I have to also realize is that there are molecules and quarks and all kinds of other smaller and smaller neutrons uh, down in there that are that have great spaces between them. So is this really solid material or is it formlessness and form? Quantum physics would say it's both, formlessness and form. But that's not what we typically think. We think it's only a fact that this is a solid mat- piece of matter. And so we live into this world of facts. Facts can be found out because they can be empirically discovered. And yet, every fact that we can discover has another element to it that's not quite so factual and yet could be understood by knowledge, which is the experience. 
the experience and the process of understanding wisdom and truth. So knowledge of the good and evil means not so much that we know all about good and all about evil, but yes, that uh, we do know about all good and evil in the sense that um, good and evil have become um, non-existent. Um, so we don't know good in terms of I'm going to be a good person and we don't know evil in terms of I'm going to be a bad person. What we do know is that, um, is that goodness and evil are illusions that we've created to, um, uh, tell ourselves about the experience we're having, to interpret the experience we're having. So I'm having an experience with illness. Well, that's a bad thing. And I interpret it as bad, and therefore it is bad. Um, and in that process, uh, I'm losing touch with what else it has to give me. Um, I'm, I'm calling, I'm giving it a name. If we know someone who does some things that are pretty awful, like hurt or abuse or violate or um, even kill someone, we can say, well, they're just evil and we don't have to think about that anymore because that's all they are. And and I don't have to think about what it is that puts a person in the frame of mind to identify with that side of the polarization between good and evil. I don't have to think about that anymore. Um, so what I can do is then tell myself that it's not true. So so very, very often, what we know about truth is what we've come to know through experience and and uh, through uh, but either uh, an experience like, for example, through meditation or an experience with life itself. And that is the process of knowledge, yada, the process that says I'm learning about duality and in the process of learning about duality, I'm also coming to know oneness. And that's how it goes. Here on planet Earth, that's how it goes, and that's how it was meant to go. And so when we tell ourselves, I should be enlightened, I should be above all this, I should not have to deal in these mundane matters of dualistic thinking, I should not have to um, be a part of all of that, I should live in bliss totally all the time, I should live in peace totally all the time, what we're doing is denying the truth of where we are. This is where we're living. We chose to come here and live this existence for a reason. And so accepting that reality is one of the life's greatest truths. We're no longer naive and we're no longer in denial. We've accepted the reality that we live right here on planet Earth. And on planet Earth, most of us are in some kind of state of duality, a, a trance state of duality, where we believe that we're separate from the divine. And the work is not to try to become formless, not to, to hurry up and, and become formless, but try to find a way to unite formlessness with form. And in that process, we become wise. We become uh, aware of body, mind, spirit, and soul. We become aware of our emotions. We become aware that they have a message to give us and they come in as a big wave in the ocean to give us that message, and then they go. Once we've received the message, they go. It's like having a nightmare that came to tell you something, and as soon as you get what the nightmare came to tell you, then you don't have the nightmare anymore. Emotions are the same exact way. Um, so, knowledge, that process 
that is all about experience is what we can lean into. And by leaning into that process, we stop thinking in terms of facts and start thinking in terms of being with life. Living life is all about living, fully alive to all that's inside of us and to all that's outside of us. But we must know what is inside of us in order to receive what is outside of us. And we must know what is inside of us to make um, living life all about living. Living life is not all about some objective to try to become something else. Living life is the process itself. People talk about uh, the journey itself is the is the journey, and and that is so true. We, this this process of truth telling is one based solidly in experience as it should be. But when we say to ourselves that experience, well, that's experience of planet Earth, and that's less than my experience of the divine, so I need to. You know, cast my experience off planet Earth aside and live only into this head of I've got to be enlightened. I've, I've worked with and, and talked with people, chatted with people and talked with people who tell me I, I'm enlightened. And the minute I hear somebody say that to me, I know they're not. <laughs> and how do I know that? Because I'm experiencing something inside of me that says this is not truth. This is not truth. I'm experiencing my own wisdom. Um, so, so, you know, and it's very often those same people who tell me that they're enlightened that are very demanding and angry about how it is that I don't agree with what they say or they, other people don't agree with what they say. Um, so that, that notion that we can, we can decide that I'm going to get to this place and I'm going to live there and that it's a stagnant place. Once you get there, then you know everything and you have everything and that's all there is. That's not truth. That's not wisdom. That's not experience. That's not yada. That's not the process that is knowledge. So how can we come to know truth? Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that right after the break. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. If you are looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light. Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you feeling out of control? Are bad relationships, anger, depression, and lifestyle overwhelming you? You can choose to release the belief systems that have kept women stuck for years. Tune in to The Power of an Unstoppable Woman with Dr. Rose Backman as your host. Break free from the genetic beliefs that can cause sabotage. It's time to stand up for who you are and what you believe in no matter what. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. 
and you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so we've come to the final question of our day, uh, one that we started with and we had to go a circuitous route to get there. We had to talk about naivete. We had to talk about denial. We had to talk about what knowledge really is and isn't. We had to talk about the distinction between knowledge and fact. And um, so now we've arrived at the point where we ask and answer the question, how do we know when we've come to a truth? Well, we can't find truth outside of ourselves. We might find what people call a fact outside of ourselves, but we can't find truth outside of ourselves. Even when it comes to, for example, trust. We say trust is earned, and yes, indeed it is. Simultaneous is the fact that if we can't trust ourselves to respond to what we see inside of ourselves, we're not going to trust other people either. Okay, so trust is an inside job, as is everything else. And so... When I'm, when I'm trying to decide whether or not something is true about someone else, what I've got to do is go inside of me and ask myself how I feel about it. So, you know, is John lying to me or is John telling me the truth? Well, I don't know that, but I know I've got this really bad feeling about what's going on. Something's wrong here. And I might not, might, might, might not be able to get the information from John as to whether or not he's lying. He may lie on top of his lie to cover up his lie. But, I, I can go with what's inside of me. I can begin to go, you know, this, this doesn't feel right. Now, what is the difference between that and paranoia? Uh, uh, it's pretty good. It's a pretty big distance between those two. Um, we have to know who, what is going on. We have to get in, comfortable in the inner terrain of our lives in order to make those distinctions between fear and intuition, between uh, the lie we tell ourselves and wisdom and truth. We, we that uh, that ability to 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 go inside and go, yeah, this is uh, there's something really wrong here, and really tune into it comes from years of being open to ourselves. Now, can you develop it over time? Yes, you absolutely can. And to begin today is the best objective, if you haven't already. Um, but um, the, the idea is that we'll know truth when it resonates inside of us as truth. And the only way it can resonate with that degree of certitude is for us to know what goes on inside of ourselves well enough to know that. So, um, 
is John having an affair? Say, I'm married to John and I have a suspicion that John's having an affair. And that keeps coming up to me and coming up to me. And maybe I even dream about it and it just keeps coming up to me that there's there's something wrong there. Well, you know, outside of me, I could hire a, a private detective if I've got the money for that. Um, and I can uh, have John investigated. I Certainly, if you have the money to do that and you want to do it, go for it. Um, or I can start asking wise questions. We are afraid of asking wise questions. Why? Because we're afraid we're going to get the answer we don't want to hear. Okay? But if we ask questions, not like, are you cheating on me? But And that's certainly one of the questions you can ask. But more about, um, what's really going on between us? What's happening between us? And if you get vague responses and... Um, Somebody who's not willing to make eye contact with you or or somebody who's overly making eye contact while they kind of schmooze and romance you, then something's wrong. And you can begin to trust that inner voice that says something's wrong, something's wrong, and I need some space and time to take care of myself to take in, in the midst of this thing that something is wrong. Um, it's a process of really being open to what goes on inside of us. So everything that goes on inside of us is important. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we need to stare at our belly buttons. And um, and I'm not talking about meism. I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm not talking about people saying, I, I am the end all and be all and that's all there is. Every aspect of who we are matters we will not lose our compassion and our need to give to other people when we become aware of what's going on inside of us. In fact, those will be heightened. So when I say pay attention to what's going on inside of you, I'm not saying become selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed and and just ignore other people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that to pay attention to how it feels, how what the quality of that feel is, um, what it does to you. Um, so, so okay, for one person, the way, well, I shall share the story from my own life. Um, once upon a time, many, many, many years ago when I was in college, I had a roommate who uh, spoke in a very tinny, nasal voice that just went down my back like somebody was raking something over chalk. Uh, every time she spoke, it was such an irritating sound to me that I couldn't just stay in the room for it for longer than five minutes. And when she wanted to get into a long talk, I was like, please just get me out of here. Because it was just that irritating to me. Now, I have never since that time met anyone else who had that effect on me. So I don't know what else might have been there, but I know that that had a powerful effect on me. And I had to change roommates because of it. So uh, what did that mean? It mean that I paid attention and I took care of myself. And I gained a little wisdom in the process that said, these are, these are my limits. I can't go beyond these limits of sound and be okay. These are my limits. That is wisdom. That is truth. And some people would say, but wait, we're limitless. We don't have limits. So how can you say that? And... Where did you get that information that we're limitless? Did someone tell you that? Have you experienced that? Do you know that? 
or is it something you say to keep yourself unattached to planet from planet Earth? We're here on planet Earth. We're not up there where there are no limits. Here on planet Earth, we are in form, and while form is limitless, in its, uh, if you think about it's in terms of its depth, you know, below the quarks, uh, the neutrinos, and all the things that go on below us, that is formlessness in its essence. So yes, we are formless, and in that sense, limitless. But there are things that we can decide to put boundaries around, big things that are aggravating. And what does that do? It creates a path. So I'm not going this way, but I am going this way. And now I've created a path for myself. I've divined that path through the, through the, um, sort of, uh, I've got a divining rod that I'm paying attention to that says, oh, this is way too harsh for my ears. It just, no, I can't handle this. And I've created another path. So now I have a new roommate and a new experience. That's how we pay attention. And that's just one example of many, many, many of how we can really pay attention. I made that deliberately an exter- a kind of uh, physical experience, not necessarily external, but physical experience so that it could be seen. That same exact kind of thing can happen on an emotional level. You can date somebody who emotionally you just go, no, no. No. And if you say to yourself, well, I should be nice. I should give him the benefit of the doubt. I should be kind. You know, everybody's got their stuff. You know how that is. If I do that, I'm lying to myself. That is not living in truth. I don't resonate well with this person. And if I say to myself, okay, that's how it is, and I just don't have that much to do with that person anymore, what I've done is created for myself a path. That is wisdom. That is truth. And I'm making this deliberately very, very practical because that's where it's all, that's where the rubber meets the road. We know truth by experience. And we don't have experience if we're out of touch with our experiencer, which is what is going on inside of us. People call that a consciousness. They call it awareness. They call it all kinds of things. But it is our experiencer. It is the part of us that is alive to what is actually going on within us. Um, and that process is one of discernment where we begin to say, well, this is going on inside of me and I'm going to honor it. Or, well, this is going on inside me and I think this is a little irrational. I'm going to pay attention to where that came from and try to see what, what's really going on behind that and, and where that's trying to lead me and et cetera, et cetera. For example, if I tell myself, as I was taught several years ago by these meetings that I was attending, what, that I was supposed to see God in everyone and, and then that's all I was to see. I was not supposed to see anything else. Then what, what I what I get from that is a big old flat zero. I don't experience anything else except that that one thing. There's only this one thing. I've got tunnel vision. There's only God in this person, and that's all there is. And while I do believe that that's true, in its essence, it doesn't mean that what is being presented to me is an illusion. There's a lot of human human potential movement information out there that says that life here on planet earth is an illusion and i'm going to say to you that i think that's a very very dangerous premise because it keeps us in naivete it keeps us in denial it keeps us from saying i can experience life on the earth plane and be also one with the divine simultaneously 
That's what we're looking for. It's not either or, it's both and. It's not either I'm here in form or there in formlessness. It's I'm in both simultaneously. And therefore, I can live into my deepest self while I'm in my physical body. I can be sensitive to what's going on around me in the same way that my ears were sensitive to the sound that my roommate made. And she was a good person. There was nothing, as far as I can tell, there was nothing else about her that there was something wrong with. That sound was not going to be something I could live with um, for very long. And and so I was sensitive to that, and I made a decision to take care of myself in the midst of that. Now, I could look back on that and say, well, that was pretty silly, and you shouldn't have been so sensitive. My gosh, I mean, you're just oversensitive. Or how unkind was it of you to dismiss this roommate because she didn't? She had a funny uh, voice that irritated you. How You should have been kind. You should have been nice. And here I go with the shoulds and telling myself things that don't have anything to do with my natural self, what is real inside of me. Now, there's a lot of people out there that would say that the natural self is the sinner. And I would say that the natural self is the divine self. The unnatural self is what was called the sinner. And we've gotten out of touch with with the divine self in the name of the mask and costume that is the quote-unquote sinner. Does that mean we don't ever do anything that we regret? No. Of course we do. That's part of the experience. Um, but it's not based in good and evil. It's based in fear. It's based in fear. We do everything that we do in the name of quote-unquote evil because we're scared. We do everything, a lot, many of the things we do in the name of good because we're scared. So, truth is being willing to be open. So we're out of time for today. And next week we'll be talking about the dark, you know, that place that everyone tells us is the opposite of the light and about which we know so very little because we fear that walking into the dark will make us dark. Yeah, we're going to be spelunking into the dark caves of life to find what gifts the dark has to give us. Be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.